The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you. How are you? Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Scott. And, uh, you know, boy, we're, we're certainly hearing more and more about uh, Omicron and COVID-19 and, and how this is continuing. Is this still going to hammer the economy, Don? I mean, it looks like we're going to come out of this at the end of January. But uh, what's the economy going to be like coming out the other end of this, especially with well, a huge, huge absentee rate right now? Yeah, you're getting that. That one's really been hurting your absolute rate, Scott. It obviously... Um, We've been inundated with information about Omicron. We don't have to go over the details there, but probably one of the biggest things is, uh, you know, people are, are having to take time off work right now. And uh, so, yeah, they'll have a, you know, a short-term impact. And as a, we've gone through so many waves now, it's like yeah. we're actually getting pretty good at dealing with this. This, But this particular one has, has had an impact um, more so than others from just, like you said, the absenteeism. So mm-hmm. that's where literally people aren't showing up to their shifts and everything from restaurants will just say, we can't open. We have nobody to make food or ski lifts are saying, we don't have anybody to yeah. to put on the ski lift right now because they're sick. It's um, virtually in every sector too, whether it's healthcare or like you said, any hospitality. I mean, it's just a EMS it's there. Yeah. Of course the nurses and, and the healthcare providers and um, old age homes, et cetera. So yeah, it's a, uh, uh, overall, you're finding that's the impact. It may not be serious from uh, particularly for the vaccinated of going to the hospital or the ICUs particularly, but it is it is creeping into the uh, into the absenteeism. And uh, but, you know, it is kind of timely for Mitch uh, right now because, you know, sickness kind of you start thinking about it and says, well, a lot of people have disabilities and often aren't taking advantage of what they could be. And there's so many benefits available for um, the general public from younger people to older people. And I know Mitch is going to go through a lot of those uh, benefits today. Yeah, thanks for the, the lead in there. There's definitely lots going on in the world and lots of government programs, which at the time, they're, they're temporary. The CERB, the CRB, those are temporary government programs. But there's ongoing programs that have been going on for many years. Uh, actually, since 2008 is when the RDSP started, which is the Registered Disability Savings Plan. And ensuring that your loved ones are cared for after passing is a common goal for for uh, for families. This is especially relevant where your loved one is, they have disabilities. Uh, you want to ensure that throughout your life and beyond, you do everything possible to ensure they are always taken care of. And there are many things you can think about now for the future. To put things into context here, there's some statistics done by for a Canadian survey. Over 22% of Canadians aged 15 and over have a disability. That's roughly 6 million people. And only 59% of those aged 25 to 64 have jobs compared to 80% of Canadians without disabilities. But the really eye-opening stat for me was only 28% of those who qualify for an RDSP, a Registered Disability Savings Plan, have opened one. Um, 
Yeah, that, that's has- huge. That's uh, that's huge. So you're you're looking at basically seventy percent of people that could be getting some government funds from a, a registered disability savings program or plan um, aren't taking advantage of it. And I, I think it's just really lack of knowledge, really. Yeah, I think it just comes down to awareness. It's not extremely advertised, and obviously we're in the business, so we know about it. We're probably we're part of that twenty eight percent that know about it. And our clients, we expose them to that knowledge as well. And some common questions I get is, where do I begin to save for this? Uh, are there tax benefits or government programs available? So these are common questions that I get when uh, clients have kids or adult children or themselves who are disabled. And as you know, every person living with a disability is different, uh, with different caregiving and financial needs to consider, and every family is different. One program available is the Disability Tax Credit which is a non-refundable tax credit that helps people with disabilities or supporting persons reduce the amount of income tax they may have to pay. There are many factors that come into this. The basic, def- basic definition is if you have trouble vision with vision, speaking, hearing, walking, feeding, dressing, mental uh, foundations, life, necessary to life, then you can qualify and you have to go through the questionnaire on CRA to see if you qualify for this. And that's for any age, isn't it, Mitch? Yeah, so the disability tax credit is for all age, but there is a child disability benefit for people under 18 years old. So you can actually you get, you can qualify for $5,200 per year with that tax credit if you're under 18. And if you're over 18, you can get up to $8,800. And, so, that, and, that, and that's interesting. That one's a, the, the disability tax credit is also retroactive. So if you do qualify, you know, the doctor will fill out the form or help you with this form and it will go retroactive. So I've seen some clients go back seven years of qualifying for it and then end up with a, a fairly large check for all the deductions they didn't claim in the past seven years. So, yeah, it's, it's important. But I think there's a stigma with saying you're dis- you have a disability. And I know I've walked through clients through this before. And I said, you know, you probably qualify. And they don't even think of themselves as disabled because they're able to do a lot of things. And they don't want to be called disabled. But all of a sudden, when you tell them, hey, you might get a check for about $15,000, they say, oh, you know what, maybe I, maybe I do qualify. So they will get that form filled in. Yeah, I mean, it's not always uh, the case that it has to be extremely severe to qualify and I know some people get offended, but if you're going to get that tax credit, or even if you can qualify for ODSP, which is another benefit, uh, Ontario Disability Savings Plan, um, there's also RDSP, which is the Registered Disability Savings Plan. To qualify for the Registered Disability Savings Plan, you have to qualify for the Disability Tax Credit and be a resident of Canada with a valid social insurance number and under the age of 60. Because at age 60, you actually have to start drawing from this registered disability savings plan. It's almost, it's sort of similar to an RSP in ways that there's, you contribute and you get this tax deferred growth. And then at age 60, you're forced to start taking it out. And I think that it's a great way to start putting money away because you get a nice grant. There's no annual contribution limit, but there is a lifetime limit of $200,000. And the, so, the, sorry, so explain that. So $200,000, that's how much you can put in? That's how much you can put in, lifetime limit. Okay. But you can get up to $70,000 in grant. That's the maximum amount of grant you can get. So if a family income is 98000 or less, a contribution of $1,500 for each year will get you $3,500 in government grants, which is 
Great. The $1,500 is the most that you can put in each year. So they do cap it out for the amount of grant. You can put over and above that, but you're not going to get more grant for that year. So you may as well start early, start putting away $1,500 a month, uh, sorry, a year, and then you get $3,500. That's two and a half times what you put in. How many other government programs can you do that? Yeah, that's a that's one heck of a return to make that guaranteed. Never mind the fact it's actually invested these monies on top of that. So you're actually getting a return on top of this. Yeah, that's a great point there. Also a family income. If if your income is above ninety-eight thousand, the contribution still matched hundred percent. So you can put in a thousand dollars every year, and the government's gonna give you a thousand dollars every year. So you can get two thousand dollars put in into a passive investment that's earning uh, five, seven percent, whatever you invest in it, there's no cap of what you can invest this into. Also, similar to RSPs and TFSAs, uh, and a very common question I get with RDSP, RDSPs is, "What if my income is high and my child's income is going to be lower? Should I delay it until after they're 19? Because if they start it when they're after 19, uh, their income is going to be a lot lower and they're going to get more grant because." If your income is over 98,000, you're only getting matched 100%. But if it's lower than 98,000, you're going to get matched uh, about 300%. So that $1,500 would get 3,500 in grant. But the short answer to this is no. It's actually, it works out better than if you just start when you're uh, zero. So here's an example is if if your parents start when they're zero and they start putting $1,000 into a TFSA, into their own TFSA, because obviously a kid at zero doesn't qualify for a TFSA yet. So if they start putting $1,000 into a TFSA instead of the RDSP, so then they're not getting a government grant on top of that. And then at 19, they start putting 1,500 into the RDSP until that $70,000 in grant is reached. And this all goes until age 60. And then at scenario two, the $1,000 a year goes into the RDSP from zero to 19 years old and $1,500 after that. So scenario one, the child at 60 will have $131,000 in the TFSA from $1,000 a month for that 18 years, and it's going to grow until their age 60. And they'll also have $238,000 in the RDSP, which is a total of $370,000 roughly, if you add the grants and the TFSA together. Scenario two, if they just started RDSP, even though they're going to get a lower grant from age zero to 19, uh, it works out that they'll have 20,000 in the TFSA because they'll start that after they max out that RDSP grant. And they'll have two, they'll have 421,000 in the RDSP because they started getting that matching of hundred percent thousand dollars a year grant for that 18 years. And then they start getting more grant on top of that until it's maxed out. So starting the grant as early as possible is better than waiting until 19, even though you're going to get a bigger grant portion once 19 is up. Uh, Another key part of the RDSP is a lot of people are concerned about losing their uh, ODSP. They're, They're worried about you know, that income that they're getting every month for, you know, and it's about $1,500 a month, generally speaking, for an adult uh, who's collecting ODSP. Well, the nice thing about that income that you do get from an RDSP, it doesn't impact that, that disability pension at all. So at age 60, when you start receiving this, that's all 
know, that's money to live on and retire. And you still can collect the ODSP on top of that. So it's one of the few ways to that's exempt. And I think that's an important part of this program. Yeah, that's a great point. The ODSP, the Ontario Disability Savings Plan, is it's an Ontario specific program. And it's very similar. It has pretty much the same qualifications as the tax credit, as well as the RDSP. So you have to have a similar disability to qualify. But like you said, if, if you're getting the maximum amount you can get is $497 a year for shelter costs and $672 for living needs. So roughly $1,200 per year. And per that's, sorry, $1,200 per month. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, per month. And that, like you said, it's not affected by uh, your RDSP income. So you can keep taking income once you're 60 and add that to your ODSP and create a pretty solid living off of all of that savings. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here. Fox Group Private Wealth Management, along with Mitch Fox. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management. 905-972-7420. We're going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here. Fox Group Private Wealth Management, along with Mitch Fox. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. Don, we're going to talk about retirement plans, a comprehensive retirement plan, uh, and something we should be doing at this time of the year, the beginning of the year. Yeah, great time to kind of kick things kick things off on uh, 2022 is to really sit down with a financial planner and say, you know, this is the year I'm going to have a comprehensive retirement plan because, you know, ad hoc planning really doesn't work. And there's been a, a, a huge shift and people are getting more educated. Interesting enough, there was more money put into managed money solutions such as mutual funds or like type of investments than ETFs last year. And this is, a, this is something that has not been the case for many years. Uh, ETFs are kind of a very low cost way of doing things. So people are very thinking they're getting a better deal, perhaps doing it that way. And they likely are from a cost perspective. But funny enough, often the returns are a different story. And you're also not getting any advice. And so what is your actual return or what mistakes could you make? by not having a financial planner are huge and talk about an impacting returns. So yeah, returns are only part of the part of the whole solution. So when you look at delivering a comprehensive solution, you have to look at uh, managing your cash flow efficiently. I know we've talked about that and you really need a cash flow analysis and looking at your lending and, and making sure you got a, a very tax efficient income strategy when you are retired, planning for the unexpected. Um, look at your uh, life insurance and your estate and make sure your, your will is, is tax efficient. Um, planning for that major expense. You know, if you're going to go on a big trip or a recreational property or education for the kids, making sure you're looking at the RESPs, registered education savings plans, not to be confused with what Mitch was just talking about with the RDSPs. I know we're throwing a lot of acronyms out today. Uh, maximizing your business success. Uh, taking a look at your personal and tax, tax rates and how do you incorporate that to get the best 
basically after tax result and business succession. And do you, how do you qualify for that capital gains exemption? And then of course, optimizing your retirement itself. Uh, look at the investment program. Can you get tax-free income? Portfolio oversight. How do you create your portfolio? And, and guaranteeing income solutions. So there's lots of ways to create that income for yourself. And then at the end of kind of a, a plan is sharing your wealth. How do you transfer this wealth to the next generation? So how do you protect the, your nest egg? Well, first thing is you really need a plan. I know we're, you know, we feel like sometimes we're kicking it, <laughs> kicking this around too often, but it's, it's true. You need a plan and you have to stick, stick with it. And those are the people that end up having the best results. Time and time again, we're finding people that deal with a financial planner statistically are averaging 2.3 times their net worth with, uh, compared to people that do not have a financial planner over a 30-year period of time. Big difference. Um, ensure you have proper diversification is another way. Invest for the long run. Now, determine your retirement income withdrawal strategy and, again, deal with a financial planner. But when you think of retirement, this is kind of interesting because we plan for trips. We plan for these big events, this 50th anniversary trip or what have you. And it's like a, it's like a big party you're planning for. And it's not. It's not an event. It's an ongoing strategy. So there's really four types of retirement planning involved. There's that nearly retired. Ones that are getting close to retired and they got to think, okay, what decisions should I make before I retire? Then you got the newly retired. And they have a, a very different lifestyle than, ones that, than the ones that have been retired for 20 years. And they, they have all these dreams and things they want to accomplish. Then there's that experienced retiree. And they kind of, uh, you know, they've kind of found a groove. And then there's your legacy. After, okay, you've done very well over your life. How do you pass this on? So retirement is an ongoing strategy and not simply a one-off. Say, here's your plan. Hope it works out for the next 20 years. It doesn't work that way. And your money changes over, the, over time because, you know, while you're trying to save for retirement, you spend a certain amount of money per month. And then when you finally do retire, I usually find there's this big bump up, kind of like the honeymoon stage. Everybody has a lot of things they want to do and they, and they got this hit list and they, it's almost like a, they've been so well of accomplishing their goals, they start checking things off one after another. And then, you know, kind of funny enough, uh, things kind of, lull a bit and they find like I say a groove in retirement it usually costs less but then things generally cost a little bit more near their end of their life and you got to plan for that too so having that financial plan takes into account all those stages and all those dreams because I, I find this the biggest myth I hear on a regular basis is you need less less funds at retirement and I don't know who came up with this. And my guess is somebody that didn't have many funds to begin with. That's my guess. Mm. Because the ones that have money, they seem to have, you know, there's a lot of fun that they want to do. And they want to do many things that they've been working for all their life. And it's funny enough, uh, they're spending money at least at the same rate as before retirement. But yes, um, you can retire at a lower lifestyle and therefore spend less money. But I think that's a choice based on your financial plan. Mm -hmm. And again, a key part to this is you don't want to underlive. You don't want to have this nest egg that you've created and not sure how much you can touch per month. 
Yeah. And, and that's a big fear. People are worried they're going to run out of money, especially with longevity and inflation. So then they get scared. How much can I take out? So then you end up with a lot of money and not much fun. Yeah. And they're constantly worried about how long they're going to live matching how, how much funds they have. And, and then before you know it, oh, we've saved tons, but now we've got health issues we have to worry about. Yeah. And yeah. time marches on and, and health issues is a great point, Scott, particularly in a pandemic. I think we're all that much more aware of health issues. And again, uh, to Mitch's segment on the on disability, there's lots of benefits that people aren't taking advantage of that could also help too. But uh, so you look at your, you kind of estimate your retirement expenses and you look at your retirement income and you look at, okay, what's the gap? You know, how much extra do I need in there? And then you think, okay, I'll take this much for my investments. Well, the key there is what is your percentage per year you're taking out of your investments? Is it 10%? Well, that's not going to last long. Is it 4%? Yeah, you're probably going to do just fine. But that's the key because you can't just say, oh, you know, I'm retiring and I'm going to take this high percentage out. Well, that's great, but you're going to run out of money. At the it's same not, token. It's, sorry, not like winning, it's not like winning a lottery. Uh, exactly. It's, it is not this big event. And yeah. wow, because it, it, you know, you get a hangover effect afterwards, like, oh, well, I still got to come up with money every month. And, mm-hmm. and I need to have a good life. So yeah, calculating that withdrawal rate is extremely important. I'm going to be going through that a little later. So it really comes down to some key retirement goals. And I'd say the first and foremost is longevity. Everybody's scared of running out of money. So that would be the first thing. Okay, how much, how much uh, could I live comfortably to, say, age 95? Then the next one is, and this is a topical one right now, uh, particularly recently, is inflation. Mm-hmm. We all said that, well, if we keep throwing money into the economy, that could cause inflation. And this kind of started at the very beginning of the pandemic. Well, here we are two years out. And yes, inflation rates are in that 4.5% zone. And boy, you, know, don't, you don't have to go too far to find those extra costs. Um, your asset allocation, how has that changed? It used to be pretty straightforward. Interest rates were, you know, seven, eight percent, and you put forty percent in bonds and sixty percent in stocks. It was pretty simple. And that isn't the case anymore. That withdrawal rate, extremely important. Staying healthy. You, uh, there's a cost to staying healthy too, and whether that is seeing a, a health practitioner of some sort, uh, whether it's massage or chiropractic or what have you, to make sure that you have this great life. But you don't want to cheap out on things that will keep you healthy. And then again, at the end of the day, if you've done everything right, you're probably leaving some money behind. And what do you do with that? But at the end of the day, there's this fear that I don't want to run out of money. And 50% of males will live past the age of 83. Okay, so if you retire at 63, that's 20 years. But that's 50% will live longer than that. Females, they live into 86. Half of them will live past that age. But interesting enough, if you're married, at least one member of that couple, it seems that there are more females than males, so you don't have to go to a, a senior's home to see the, the discrepancy there, but one out of 50% will live past the age of 90. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're planning for is 
for that spouse that will live past the age of 90. So that's what we have. And, and, I, and I, and I think you've said in the past on that, uh, I think one of the fastest segments of the population growing segments of the population is the centurion. There's more and oh, more yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah. They don't even have parades for them anymore. It used yeah. to be a big deal, right? <laughs> You'd get <laughs> a letter from the, the prime minister. You get a letter from the prime minister. Yeah. None of that anymore. Yeah. The queen would send you something front yeah. page of the spectator. It was sure. awesome. And now it's like, well, well, you know, yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know what the number is now. It might be 110. But, you know, and talk about prices. Sometimes we, we forget just how much things have gone up. And, you know, fast food is kind of an interesting way of comparing. But if you look at a cheeseburger in 19, in the 60s, 1960, say 1965, a cheeseburger was 20 cents. Now it's a, a buck 69. A milkshake was 22 cents. Now it's 249. So they've gone up by basically tenfold. And so this is where you have to have a retirement planning that that takes into account inflation. And talk about underliving. I know we well, I've had to discuss this already, but 58% are worried about making their funds stretch over the remaining years. 58%. That's a stress you just don't need. Yeah. Why are you why are you taking on this stress when you could have a financial planner slash partner beside you? working through strategies to alleviate that stress. Because, you know what, it, back in the old days, it was easy. You got this index pension, and I know there's still lots of those around, but fewer and fewer. And people got this paycheck every month, and, and that wasn't too stressful. It was, uh, it was guaranteed, and it went up by inflation. Now you got to create your own, and that's what's making it um, difficult. And it turns out two-thirds of retirees are finding it really difficult to strike that balance between enjoying a comfortable retirement and enjoying retirement and making that money last. So two thirds. So that means only one third are saying, okay, I feel pretty good about things and they don't have that stress. So, and, and I can understand why, because inflation really does. And I know we, we just chatted about it a bit, but at 2% inflation, 25 years later, your million dollar nest egg has dropped in value to $615,000. Wow. That's just 2% inflation. Now, if we're at 4% inflation, which we are currently, that million-dollar nest egg is down to uh, $375,000 in 25 years. So you retired at 60, you're now 85, and you thought you had a million bucks. It was a great deal. Now it's worth 375. No wonder you don't feel comfortable. And so this is why it's so important to, to sit down with a planner and work through this. And I know our clients, just it's really a... You know, we, we go through our plan every year, and, and this is a quite often right at the beginning of the year. Uh, we, we have these we these meetings to go over where we how did we do last year, etc. And it, it's really just so they say, Oh, good, okay, things are okay, yeah, and I don't have to worry about it for another year, enjoy life. And that's really it's worth something, that is worth mm -hmm. something. And so, but performance does matter, and it really comes down to. What happens if you have a bad year? And we've gone through those. And that sequence of return risk, we've talked about a little bit. So if you have a, say the first year, you have a 5% year. Ah, that's pretty good. But the next year, you have a minus 15% year. And the third year, you have a plus 25% year. Well, overall, if you just looked at it, you said, well, that works out to 5% a year return. Add those three, divide by three, it's 5% per year. Very straightforward. So if I take out 5% a year, I'll be good. 
Well, it doesn't work quite that easily. If you, because that negative year and you're pulling out funds, your money, your, your, your hundred thousand or million dollars will end up running out about age 83, just based on the sequence of returns. Funny enough, if you started at, at uh, 25%, sorry, you went from 5% and then you had a 25% return the next year, and then you had a drop of 15%, your money would last till 87. Same returns, everything's identical, just the sequence of returns. So it's so important to do this. So at the end of the day, it's really having that plan, feeling comfortable and still living life to a fullest. I, I'm a big believer of maximizing fun. And really at the end of the day, isn't that what, that's really what your financial plan should be about. What your definition of fun may be very different than your neighbor's definition of fun, but it, regardless of what it is, Fun costs money. I was, <laughs> I was just about to say that. No matter what it is, it's still going to cost you. Yeah. And so a financial plan equals st- reduces stress so you can maximize fun. And that's really, if I had to put it in a nutshell, what a financial plan is all about. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can call them now at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. We're going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right, something that's uh, really a blast of reality usually in January is managing the credit (laughs) cards because everything's coming home to roost. And that's what you're going to touch on here, Mitch. Yeah, I mean, January, all those crisp. Bills typically some maybe some travel. Uh, I know COVID's definitely put that down quite a bit, but usually people go away for New Year's quite often. But definitely Christmas bills uh, from December are coming in, and credit card management—it's a big, big issue. Those twenty percent interest rates can really pile on, and once you start to build that up and keep accumulating, it's a slippery slope. Credit cards—they become very essential. They use them to pay for everything: pay for gas, travel, home delivery. I know Uber Eats, Lyft, Uber—so many of these new products, especially the ones that have been used a lot more with COVID. Uber Eats is just blowing up right now. Uh, if managed properly, these are essential tools, and they can help you out a lot. You can get points for travel. You can get access to lounge. There's tons of perks that come with these credit cards. But if you don't manage them properly, it, it can cost you 20% per year and it's compounded daily. If you're holding a balance on your credit card, paying it off should be task number one. So you can once again, enjoy its benefits. <clears throat> Here are some strategies to enjoy the benefits and stop carrying a balance. Uh, first of all, examine your spending habits. So many people, especially uh, ones that aren't dealing with financial planners, they have no idea what they're spending money on. They're, they don't write it down. They don't examine what, they're, what they keep spending all of this money. And most people can 
they can probably list off about 70 to 80% of what they spend their money on if they really try. But it's at 20 to 25% that they just can't list and they don't know why. And their credit card's higher every month than they, they typically know. So if they take the time to just list it all out, go through your cash flow, go through your credit card statement and see whether it's an extra beer at the bar or extra whip on that Starbucks latte, it all adds up. So that's the first <laughs> thing to do is to examine your spending habits. The, the next thing is building a budget. So it's, it's nothing sexy. It's not something that everyone wants to do, but everyone makes a certain amount of money and you should try to live between those means and not overextend yourself by racking up credit card debt just to get a little bit of extra stuff because it's going to cost you 20%. The, the credit card company's visa, they, they love that interest rate. Uh, pay more than the minimum. The minimum payment on your credit card bill is around 2% of the previous month's balance. The problem is if you only pay them the minimum, the majority of that money goes towards interest, usually accum- accumulating around 20%. That's an interesting point, Mitch, because, you know, I've just, you know, in, in the time I've been on the planet, my objective was whenever you had a credit card bill, you just try to pay it down as quickly as you can. Are there lots of people out there that think this is a financial strategy? Oh, I just need to make the minimum payment and I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost it's the worst kind of leverage you can get. You're buying yeah. something and it's you're, you're leveraging something that's not earning you more money than it's costing you. So yeah, terrible investment if you're keeping a balance on your credit card. And, and not it, to, not to mention that trip or that bar. Now you're paying interest on those on that latte that you bought, as you mentioned. <laughs> and so really, how much does it end up costing you? It, it, it ends up sitting there on your credit card forever at 20 percent, like you mentioned. Yeah. And I mean, if, if you're having trouble paying it down, like, like trips can be expensive and maybe there's unexpected expenses and people don't know this, but you can actually call and you can actually negotiate a lower rate. A lot of people don't ask and they just assume like that's what it is. It's, it's set in stone, but the bank, they rather you pay it, be able to pay some than pay nothing if you're unable to pay it. Uh, so you can actually call and potentially negotiate a lower interest rate. Uh, another thing that we recommend is considering paying off the credit card debt before investing. This is something I come across quite often. We'll have a whole spreadsheet of cash flow, debts, liabilities, uh, assets, and we'll see that they have a TFSA or something, maybe a $20,000 TFSA, and it's earning 3%. And they have a credit card debt that's costing them 20%. And if, you, if you're doing that, you're actually costing yourself so much. So if you have a $20,000 credit card, costing you about $334 interest in month, um, a month in interest, and you have $20,000 in investments earning 7%, that's only earning you $116 a month. It's going to cost you about $200 a month to keep that invested versus uh, costing you $335 a month in interest on that credit card. But that being said, I don't think you should ever stop contributing monthly because once someone stops, it's so hard to start paying yourself first. And you should keep that habit, even if it's $50 a month and you're putting the extra, what you were putting into investments into that credit card to pay off that high interest rate, just keeping yourself in that habit of paying yourself first so that when you do pay off those credit cards, uh, you're at least keeping the habit of having a bill to yourself and having that interest working for you on a monthly basis. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. 
We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Obviously, Don, these are pretty tricky times uh, when it comes to coming out of a pandemic, and there were already difficult times before the global pandemic even started. Uh, What advice do you have for uh, navigating uh, through all of this for young adults, people who are, you know, whether they're trying to buy a house, look at the future. I mean, it's, it's a pretty bizarre time. Uh, yeah, that's a great point, Scott. It's, uh, it, 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 there's so many factors going on right now, all because that's been triggered because of this pandemic. And for example, the job market, it's, it's unusually receptive right now. There is a huge demand to hire people. And that may be, you know, a great thing for opportunities for young adults, um, expensive housing, well, that's making it tough. So, you know, how's that? And what about COVID risks? Those are ongoing. Inflation's been rearing its ugly head. And then there's that FOMO, fear of missing out. And I'm finding that a lot with people says, oh, well, maybe I should invest in real estate. Look at what the Hamilton market did, 44% last year. You know, that's insane. That is not the norm for real estate. Or, hey, I hear crypto's way to go or NFTs or, hey, I heard those growth stocks are going through the roof. Um, that was last year. And so far this year, those same growth stocks have, uh, you know, t- some of them have gone down tremendously. Some of them are, are less than half of where they were. So there's this FOMO people are missing out the, and they don't want to miss out again. So how do you navigate through this? Well, first of all, look at the job market. If you're in a job right now, you should probably say, okay, I'm not suggesting go hop around because I think all employers check that out to say, do I really want this employee because they've had five jobs in the last eight years? Okay. And so they're just trying to always go up the, the rung, but look at, what opportunities this job you currently have in the next two to five years. And if there is lots of opportunity, discuss it with your boss. And if there isn't much, you may want to look at another job because there's great opportunities right now. It's definitely a time to play offense. Go to whoever's, um, you know, you should be talking to as far as getting a raise. And this is the time to talk about it because they are very, it's very difficult for that boss or owner to hire somebody as good as you. And pay them what you're maybe what you're getting paid. So see, get paid what you're worth, and also just discuss inflation. If inflation is four and a half percent, and your raise is only two percent, you've actually gone downhill. You're actually behind. You actually your lifestyle's actually dropped because of inflation alone. So it's a great time to play offense, and this is the time to do it. When you're looking at uh, employment figures, and the unemployed is down to about four and a half percent. You know, we, I know through economics at McMaster way back, 4% was considered full employment because there's always transient workers. So, yeah, so, and, and, and ask what, if somebody just joined your company, find out what they're getting paid. Ask for transparency. I think it's almost like this taboo. Oh, I don't know. We can't really talk about what people are getting paid. You should know what people are getting paid. Um, you always know what the NHL stars are making. Why should you be any different, right? Mm. But saving for emergencies. Uh, as Mitch said, saving for emergencies is not using a line of credit. Have some cash on the side, use a line of, um, possibly uh, a line of credit, but don't use credit cards, okay? And there's a cost to cash out investments. As Mitch was mentioning, a 7% rate of return, well, that's like, 
you know, do you want to cash money out earning 7% or do you want to use a line of credit that you can borrow temporarily at three or 4%? And also the psychological effect of stopping any investment program is hugely det detrimental. Investing, here's a big one. If you were in some speculative investment, take some money off the table. When you saw that crypto go from 10,000 to 100,000, it's gonna to go to a million, take some money off the table or NFTs or that housing market. If you've got some rental properties, it might be a time you says, you know what? I'm gonna sell one of my rental properties. Things do not average at 44%. So it's a good time to get real. It's particularly for a young adult, it doesn't keep going to the sky. So take some money off the table and, and perhaps uh, put some money to pay off debts, et cetera. You know, I always say the bulls get rich, the bears get rich and the pigs get slaughtered, <laughs> okay? So don't be a pig. <laughs> <laughs> take some money off the table and focus on wealth building and diversification as it's not sexy and diversification is you never make a killing, but you'll never get killed. So look at the big picture and have it as part of your financial plan. Hey, if you want to take some speculative bets for maybe a small 5% of your portfolio and it happens to grow to 50% of your portfolio, good for you. It's a windfall. That's the definition of a windfall. A home ownership. Very tough time right now for home ownership with the prices. So if you're on the sidelines looking, looking out saying, geez, I wouldn't mind buying a house. Um, you may want to look at, okay, what's the difference of renting versus owning? Maybe I can have an investment loan, borrow money to invest rather than simply borrow money for a, a house. And, and look at the cash flow analysis. It can be extremely expensive. Uh, and and you got to still look at this. Is, is it worth the pain? I, you know, can I afford it? And you look at also things that, okay, my job, I will get a raise. So look at potential income. But if you are set on buying a house, I'm not trying to say don't buy a house, but also look at other forms of income. Do you get a, a sideline job? Do you uh, rent out part of the house? So there's ways to make it doable, but look at the big thing. Don't just, it's an emotional item and people get caught up in that. And also just, Look at, um, again, Mitch already went through the credit card analysis. And again, this is a great time for young adults to say, okay, Christmas is over, time to get real and pay down the, those cards. And, and lastly, for women, longevity risk is higher. So we do want to, you, if you do want to save a higher percentage of your income, because generally speaking, you're going to live longer. So these are the things young Canadians should really be looking at uh, for the 2022. And, and the best time to start is now. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Another great show, gentlemen. What a great way to kick off the year times two, I guess, last week, but moving through January. Uh, thanks so much. Be well. Stay healthy, everybody. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.